Welcome to Big Valley Grace. Welcome to all of you that are watching online. It was fun to be with you in the pre-show. When I'm done, I'll be back at the post-show with all of you. Um, so you're going to see me limping around a little bit. I got bit by a dog. <laughs> it killed an ordinary man. But uh, <laughs> as long as I keep moving, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I could get all, if I stop or, you know, it takes me about 15 minutes or so to drive here and, and it gets all tight and stiff. But anyway... Um, if you're visiting with us, we are in a series where we're going through the book of Matthew together. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 20. That's where we're going to be today. And literally, as a church family, we're going through the book of Matthew verse by verse together. And we handed out this uh, bookmark. You can also get it online where we have broke up the book of Matthew into nine weeks. And uh, we are now in week seven. And so we as a whole church family are going through the book of Matthew. We're reading it verse by verse. And I know I've heard from a, a number of you, this has been really fresh. I can't tell you how many times I have read the gospel of Matthew. I can't tell you how many times I've preached through the gospel of Matthew. But it's always really refreshing when us as a whole church are going through the scriptures together. Now on the weekends, we're not going through the book of Matthew verse by verse. We're taking it sometimes chapter by chapter. In some cases, we're taking it story by story like we are today. But um, we are going through the book of Matthew together. And as I said, we are in chapter uh, 20. And we are going to be uh, at uh, verse 29. And here's what I want to do. We're just going to walk through this story together. It takes, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds to read. And um, unfortunately for too many people, it's just black ink on a page and it's 10 seconds out of your life. And you read it and that's it. And what I want to do is I just want to make some observations about this passage. I'm going to make six observations and I don't want you to necessarily worry about all six. What I do want you to, to, to kind of think about is, is there one that really resonates within your, your spirit now? In other words, if I get through the first observation and you go, wow, I needed to hear that, then it's okay to zone out the rest of the sermon. Now, don't fall asleep. Don't look at your phone, because by the way, us preachers, we can look out there and we can see the light. And we, yeah, they're on their phone. It's discouraging. Um, don't be rude, but literally just go, wow, that's the one thing I'm walking out of here with. Don't worry about trying to walk out of here with six things or whatever all the things are that the preacher might say. Don't worry about that. That'll get you goofed up at times. But it could be the second observation. You go, whoa. That's what I needed to hear. Then that's the thing. Just lock in on that. And when you walk out of here in a few minutes, go, that's the thing I need to have rattling around in my brain for the rest of the week. So I just want to challenge you to find one thing. Now, some of you, you might get two or three or maybe all six will have some sort of meaning to you. I don't, I don't know. 
But I do want you to say, man, God, would you speak to me right now through one of these observations? And in this story, it begins with that the, the, the fact that Jesus was making his way from town to town and they were uh, uh, leaving, you know, Jericho and there's this huge multitude of people that are following Jesus. How many? We don't really know. Could have been 50. I think it was probably more than that. Could have been 100. Probably more than that. Could have been 500. I think it was probably more than that. Could have been in the thousands. I think that's probably more accurate. We don't really know how many. We just know there was this ginormous multitude of people who were following Jesus. And that's, that's kind of the MO that you find in the New Testament. Wherever Jesus went, there was always a whole bunch of people hanging out. All kinds of people in the crowd, different places in their life, whatever, stages of life, ages. But there was always this multitude of people. And as they're walking, they come into a, an area where there were a, a couple of blind guys. And this is what the first observation is that I want to make, is that these two blind men asked Jesus for help. L look at verse 30. Two blind men were sitting beside the road, and when they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. So I want you to somehow try to capture this moment in your imagination. Jesus is making his way into this particular city. He's got this multitude of people around him. And there are two blind guys somewhere in the town. We don't know how they knew it was Jesus. Maybe as this big multitude was coming into town, there were people running up and down the streets going, hey, Jesus is coming to town. Hey, Jesus is, is coming. Maybe some of the disciples ran ahead to, you know, find a subway to get some sandwiches or they're trying to find some food or something, and they were going, hey, Jesus is coming to town. We don't know how they knew. They just knew. He was coming. And the first thing I want us to just kind of look at is that these two blind guys were smart enough to cry out to Jesus. They're asking Jesus for help. Somehow they knew that Jesus wasn't like any other man. They knew that this guy was different. They knew that this guy somehow might be able to help them with the dilemma that they were in. And so here we have them, Jesus, Jesus. They, they, they can't see him. They don't know where in this multitude of people he is. They can't make eye contact. So they're screaming, Jesus, Jesus. You, you kind of got the scene? What this must have been like as Jesus and this multitude are making their way into town. Our brother Paul said this in Philippians chapter four. He said, hey, Christian, brother, sister, don't worry about anything. 
Instead, pray about everything. Instead, call out to the Lord about everything. Tell God what you need. Just be honest with him. Tell him what you need and thank him for all he's done. Obviously, these two blind men didn't know who Paul was. The New Testament hadn't been written yet, but certainly what's written in Philippians is what these two guys were doing. God, Jesus, help us. Have mercy on us. Look, when there's something going on in your life, beloved, God says, come to me. Talk to me about it. Don't go to your spouse first. Don't go to your parents first. Don't go to your pastor first. Don't go to your therapist first. Don't go to a friend first. God says, come to him first. And the reason why you wanna go to God first there's nothing wrong with talking with your spouse or talking with your parents or talking with your pastor or talking to your therapist or whoever it might be. Nothing wrong with that. But the reason why you wanna to go to God first is because your parents, your therapist, your kids, your pastor, we don't have any juice. We can't fix the problem. But when you cry out to the Lord, he does have the juice. He's all knowing, he's all powerful. There's nothing wrong with talking to me, nothing. But one of the things I do, and I know many of you have called me about something happening in your life. I always ask you, have you spent time talking with the Lord? And oftentimes what I hear is no. Pastor, I just left the doctor's office. I just found out there's a, a lump where there's not supposed to be a lump or whatever, whatever it is. And I'll always say, this is what I want you to do. We're gonna hang up the phone. And before you and I talk, I want you to cry out to the Lord. I want you to talk to him. That's the first thing you need to do, is talk to him. And after you spend some time with the Lord, talking with him, crying out to him, we'll talk. I can meet you at your home. I, I, we can meet up somewhere. It could be you might want to call for the elders. I, I don't know. But the first thing I want you to do is cry out to him because he has the power you need. All I can do is hug you and cry with you and point you <laughs> to him. And so I just want you to go to him right now. And when I look at what Paul said, he said, don't worry about anything, right? Don't worry about anything, anything. Pray about everything. God doesn't want you to determine what the big things are. That's why he says everything. Talk with God about, I don't know, where, where you should go on your vacation. He says, pray about everything. Talk to God about where, um, where God wants you to spend your day off. Talk with God about your business. 
You see, what we do in our humanity and in our flesh is we determine what we're going to cry out to God for. We make a determination that these are the three things, man. You know, if there's a lump or there's not supposed to be a lump, well, obviously, I'll, I'll go to God about that. And here we have God saying to us, to the apostle Paul, pray about everything, everything. I, I, I wish I could tell you I pray about everything. I really don't. But I certainly have been challenged these last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this to say, God, I want to do better about praying about everything because you want me to. Our brother Peter penned these words. He said, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares about you. He cares about what's happening in your life. He cares about what's happening in my life. And so here we have Peter now weighing in saying, hey, go to him, cry out to him. Let, let these two blind guys be an example for us all to cry out for the Lord. And that word cast here in 1 Peter chapter 5 means to unload or, or let go. One of the things that tends to happen when we pray is, wow, it's a stress reliever to some degree, isn't it? Oh, man, you took that burden and you gave it to God. Now, you may have to come back and, 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 and give it to God again and again and again and again, but there's something physiological that happens to us when we pray. God says, cast <laughs> your burden on me. And I think what we tend to do, or maybe it's just me, is we cast, and then we reel it in, <laughs> right? And before you know it, we got it again. And sometimes we just have to keep casting it out there. Sometimes the situation is such that may, maybe you got to do it multiple times in an hour. Sometimes there are things that happen in our lives, in our families, in our business, or whatever, our schooling, uh, our singleness, whatever it might be, where you go, man, God, I gotta keep coming to you over and over again. I keep casting this on you. I keep crying out to you, and that's okay. God's okay with that. Let me tell you why most people don't. It's because they, they just can't see. The, 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 the problem or whatever it is is so great they just can't see beyond it. I remember once, years and years ago, um, it was, Cade was about, my daughter sitting up there, but every summer, except for last summer because of the whole COVID thing, we spend a couple of weeks in Hawaii. And uh, I remember one year, uh, we were on the plane in San Francisco and we were gonna take off and it was kind of foggy, overcast, you know, like it can get there. And he had a window seat. I had, it was a two-seater here, and then like a whatever, a four, and then a two. And so I got an aisle seat, and my son's next to the window, and it's about five, and it's foggy outside, and the plane takes off. And Cade keeps leaning over going, Dad, Dad, we're in the middle of, of the clouds. We're in the middle of the, the fog. I, I, I can't see anything. Dad, can the, can the pilot, you know, see anything? And, and we're flying, and he just keeps looking out the window and, Dad, I can't, can't see anything. 
Dad, you know, we're, we're in the cloud. We're in the cloud. And I said, son, just, just, just hang on. Just hang on, son. See, I've lived longer than he has. I got a few more miles on my odometer of life than he does. Been on a few airplanes in my life. Just wait, son, just wait. And sure enough, there comes this moment when the plane comes out of the clouds or the fog, and whoa, there's the sun. And you can see. And oftentimes, when we're going through something, it can be like we're in this, and we're just lost. We're lost. And God says, you just keep crying out to me. Keep crying out to me. And there ultimately will come a moment when, whoa, wow. I have been in some dark, dark, dark times in my life, just like many of you, or maybe all of you, or it was dark. I mean, the clouds were all around. I, it, didn't, it seemed like, man, this is not gonna end. God has somehow, you know, abandoned me or he's not listening to me and you're just in this cloud and fog. And then there comes a moment. It's never quick enough, I understand, when poof, wow, and you're out of it. And one of the things that we learn from these two blind men is that they were smart enough to cry out and ask for help from Jesus. Here, here's the second observation I wanna make. They experienced opposition. So here's this big multitude of people coming into town. <laughs> these two guys, you gotta picture this. Hey, Jesus! Hey, have mercy on us, help us, Jesus! And the crowd gets up in their face. Look at, look at verse 31. Be quiet! Be quiet! He's an important guy. You're a couple of losers. And back in that time, you know, there was no ADA. There wasn't any of that kind of stuff. You were blind. That was a bad gig. Their hair was probably all goofed up. Probably teeth rotted out. Probably their clothes were ripped and stunk. Everybody knew who these two dudes were. Nobody helped anybody. And here we have the multitude. Maybe it was Peter. I don't know. Maybe John. Maybe one of the religious leaders. I don't know who it was, but they're all up in his grill. Hey, be quiet. He doesn't have time for you. He's a busy man. He's got important people to talk to, you know, like kings and princesses and religious leaders. He didn't have time for you. Be quiet. Here were these guys trying to do the right thing. And they get pushed back. And let me just tell you something. Don't think you won't get pushed back. When you make the decision to cry out to God, there are forces at work that don't want you crying out to God. There are forces at work who don't want you to have any kind of relationship with Jesus. It could be your parents. It could be your spouse. 
could be a brother or sister of yours, a sibling. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's a teacher or a professor. Maybe it's somebody you work with. You leave here on a Sunday morning like this and you go home and tell your mom and dad, man, I was just at church and it was really great. And, and they go, oh, really, you believe in that stuff? You really believe in, in, in God, the, the God of that Bible? It could be your spouse, really? I don't want to go to church. I think that's all googly gawk. Who believes in that kind of stuff? Could be a teacher, a professor. There are forces at work, beloved, that don't want you to cry out to God for anything. Certainly, if you have any depth of maturity in your walk with God, you know that your flesh wants nothing to do with the spiritual. So you just need to be prepared that when you start to cry out to God, when you start to really begin to have this incredible relationship with him where you're talking to him, you're casting your cares on him, whew, just buckle your seatbelt. Sometimes what gets in your face is the fact that God doesn't answer your prayer fast enough, right? So you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing happens and you know what, man, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, you know, I'm not going to church anymore. God didn't do anything. It's, it's your own flesh. It's your own humanity now that's crawled up in your face saying, man, why would you go to a place like that and worship a God like that who isn't answering your prayer as quick as you want him to answer or the way you want him to answer Man, how many of us in this room prayed and prayed and prayed for Bonnie Sasser, right? We prayed and prayed and prayed and cried and cried and cried and agonized and, and, and called out. I can't even tell you how many times I prayed for her. And I know many of you did the same thing. Oh, God, you, you, you pulled off with these two blind men. God! And God didn't answer our prayers the way we wanted him. And so I know of a couple of men who, you know what? Rick, I don't want to follow our God anymore. Tell me, I talked with him. Why? Because he didn't do things exactly like you wanted him done. Their own humanity, their own flesh, their Adamic nature crawled up in their face. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know. I don't know who it'll be. But these guys faced opposition, and you are too. It's, a, it's kind of a universal spiritual truth. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord here, we had a ministry called uh, Evangelism Explosion. And it was basically a ministry where you learned how to share your faith, and you would go out to homes or to uh, laundry mats or whatever, and basically you just went out and shared your faith with people. And you know, I gave my life to Christ, and man, it was like a week later. It was, it was a big deal around here. It was something everybody did. And so you know, I hadn't known the Lord very long, and now I'm in evangelism explosion. I don't have a clue. Probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I remember uh, Pastor Ken Silva was one of our pastors here, 
He would always talk about that on Tuesday nights, or Tuesdays is when we did it. Tuesday was going to be the worst day. The demons were going to come out of, you know, wherever. And your Tuesday is going to be the worst Tuesday ever because there are forces at work that don't want you to be here on Tuesday. And he used to talk about that. And then Tuesday night would roll around. <clears throat> and then there would be a time when people would share testimonies about what happened to them on Tuesdays. Oh, yeah. I just bought this brand new car and, you know, the carburetor blew on me on the way here. Yeah, you know, I was, I was uh, woke up this morning and all four of my tires were flat. Oh, yeah, I've never had to work one moment of overtime in my life. And for the first time, my boss gave me, you know, overtime on Tuesday. I had to stay late. And you would hear these stories. I'm not kidding you. And as a young believer, it was like, whoa, whoa. I learned at an early age that there are spiritual forces at work that don't want the gospel shared, that don't want you and I crying out to the Lord in prayer or whatever it might be. And certainly we see that here in our story, don't we? So here's the third observation. Uh, these cats didn't give up. <laughs> they kept on asking Jesus for help. Look at verse 31. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them, but they only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Dude, I like these guys. Someday I'm gonna meet them when I get to heaven. So, God, help us. Oh, God, we need your help. Have mercy on us. Shut up. These are important guys. Get out of my way. Yeah, Lord! I didn't care. It didn't matter what the opposition was. It didn't matter who was in their face. It didn't matter who was in the grill. They weren't going to let anything stop them from yelling out to Jesus. And I don't know what it looked like. And I don't want to make the scriptures say something they, they don't say. But I just gotta believe that there was some physical stuff going on. You got this multitude of people and hear these guys screaming and yelling. They shut up, man, you blind guys. Look at you, you stink, your hair. Look, look at, dude, shut up. Quit calling out to him. He's got better, get out of my way. They don't even know where he's at. And they just keep yelling all the louder. That's something we can learn from these two blind guys. And we don't even know their names. We don't know their names. When opposition comes in your life, and it will come, I don't know what it's gonna look like. Huh. Just be ready. Just be ready. They didn't give some fancy theological response. Well, you know, I've read somewhere in the Torah that uh, we're supposed to love one another just as we love ourselves. And so therefore, I have to, no, get out of my way, Jesus! They didn't have time to get into some long, laborious discussion about whether God cared about everybody or not. They just needed Jesus. 
And when somebody crawls up in your grill, it could be a professor or whatever, and they start telling you all the reasons why this book has all kinds of errors in it and it doesn't, or they start to talk about the Crusades and how crummy they were, or they want to talk about the fact that the world's 10 billion years old or whatever the new number is. Look, just, just don't, don't, don't. You don't have to get into that right at that moment. Just say, thank you very much. I appreciate your opinion and just keep calling out to God for whatever it is. Just keep calling out to God. I love what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, brothers and sisters, don't get discouraged in doing what is right. And let me tell you something. It is right to call out to God. It's right. And you would think, you know, why, why, why do you got to write that? I mean, don't we, you know, want to keep doing things that are good? Yeah, we do. But guess what? The opposition sometimes can get pretty weighty. And so guess what? Here's God telling us to the Apostle Paul, look, look, brothers, sisters, family members, my children, don't get discouraged in doing the right thing. And one of the right things is calling out to to God. Here's the fourth observation. They actually got Jesus to stop and listen to him. <laughs> this is just so great. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? Just, so here's this whole crowd. This is what I like to think about. They're all walking. Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus, and he stops. And he's you know, everybody, the whole crowd's all bumping into each other. Like a rearing collision, you know, because he stops. And he looks over. The second person of the Holy Trinity. He looks over at these two bottom feeders. They weren't kings, they didn't have any money, they had nothing. And he stops for them. What an incredible moment in history. God has stopped. Hey guys, What do you need? Man, that don't give you a goosebump. I, I, I don't think anything will. I think that God has stopped here. Where two or more are gathered, I'm in your midst. Right? He lives in the hearts of believers. I think he's stopped right now. Hey, Rick, what do you need? I think he's asking right now. Hey, Mary, what is it? What do you need? Hey, 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 Gordon. What, what do you need? He, he knows you. Hey, Jim. 
Jesus is asking, what, what, what do you need? What do you want me to do for you? You're one of my kids. What, what do you need? You need help with your marriage right now? You, got, you need help with some health crisis? You need help with your finances? You, you need help in your business? You need help with your family? You need help with your educational pursuits? You need help with your singleness? God has stopped. He's here and he's saying right now, what do you need? What is it? You can't give me the lame excuse, well, God doesn't care about me, I'm nobody. He cares about what you pray about, Rick. No, that's not true. He stopped for these two dudes. We don't even know their names. These guys weren't important. These guys were just nobodies in the world's eyes. Is there something that you go, man, I really do. I, I need God's help with something. Here's what I want you to do. If there's something that you go, man, I need God, I need God in this moment, in some situation, why don't you stand up right where you're at? Just stand up. Yeah, thanks. Only one was honest. There we go. Just stand up. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm standing with you. I, I, I got some things that, man, I've been crying out to God for. I'm gonna give you a moment, just quietly, right where you're at. Not important whether I know what it is. He knows what it is. And I think, I think there's something when you do this, that, that there's an element of faith. There's something that happens by the fact that you've stood. I, I, I don't know what it is. But man, what a powerful moment. I'll give you a moment, just quietly. Just, you, you cry out to him. Just quietly, just tell him what it is you need. I don't know what it is. I'll pray for mine, okay? Just give you a moment. And so, Lord, these are my brothers and sisters who are standing right now, and I don't know what it is. I don't know but you do, and you care. And they just did what your word said. They cast all this on you. They cried out to you. And I'm gonna trust, Lord, that uh, something crazy is gonna happen. I just believe it, God. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen, you can grab a seat. So let me uh, give you uh, observation number five real, real quick. Jesus answered their prayers. Look at verse 33. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called out, what do you want me to do for you, uh, Lord? They, they said, we, we, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes and instantly they could hear. This is so great. What do you want, guys? And they didn't, they didn't do anything spiritual. Well, Lord, we've uh, overheard the rabbis in the synagogues talking about the Torah. And we were wondering, 
about the first days of creation. Were those days or those seasons of time? God, God, these don't work. These are broken. Can you fix them? Don't you dig that? Don't you dig guys like this, people like this? These are broke. Can you fix them? Nothing wrong with praying, and I often do. God, give me insight into this passage. Give me insight into this or that or whatever, whatever it is I'm thinking about doing or whatever. God, am I, am I in line with your word? Because I know that's your will. Nothing wrong with that. But there are times when it's okay to say, oh, God, man, help me. My teenager's gone sideways, and I don't know what to do. God, my, my dad, I don't know what's happened to him. He used to walk with you, and he's just sideways now, and he's just not following you. God, I'm out of money, and it's, you know, I might get paid for another two weeks. How am I going to make this happen, God? And sometimes God answers immediately, like in this text. Don't we all want that? I mean, that's one of the things I went, man, I wish you'd do that. I don't, I'm sure he's answered some of my prayers immediately. I can't remember them. Seems like there's a time frame, but immediately he touches their eyes. Ah, wow. Sometimes God answers our prayers, but it takes some time. I was thinking, Alan, about some other blind guys that were in the Bible. There, 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 there was a blind guy who came to Jesus and, you know, couldn't see, and he could have done this. He could have just touched their eye and, you know, the guy would have seen, but he doesn't. There's this whole procedure involved. He spits and, you know, he makes some mud and, and, and then he puts the mud on the dude's eyes and, and then he says, okay, go down to that pool down there and wash that stuff out. And, and, and so, so I don't know how long it would have taken, but now the guy, blind guy, he's a blind guy. He's got to find his way down the road to wherever the pool was. And, you know, is this the pool? And I don't know how long that took. Maybe it took 10 minutes, took 15 minutes. I don't know how long it took. Maybe it took longer than that. Maybe it took five minutes. I don't know. But there's this whole procedure involved. And then the guy could see. In other words, it wasn't instantaneous. And when I think of that story of Jesus healing the blind man with mud and all the stuff, it reminds me a lot of modern doctor stuff. That's kind of how God heals us. There's a procedure. You call, make an appointment, you go in, you see the doctor. He looks at you and does this, and ah, you, know, you go through all the stuff, and then he goes, okay, here's what I want you to do. Here's some pills, and, and you take these pills for 30 days, and in 30 days, you know, you're thing will be gone or whatever it is. And we all think, wow, those doctors are smart. What? There was nothing in that mud. There was nothing in that pool. It was Jesus. God's the one who gave doctors brains to think through procedures. God's the one who gave the pharmaceutical companies the brains that they have to even come up with that stuff. 
I'm thankful that those men and women used their brains in a way that helps us, but make no mistake about it. It's still the Lord doing it, but there's a whole procedure involved. And then sometimes, as the case with Bonnie, God answers the prayer in a way you didn't want it to be answered. She's healed. In fact, she's like healed for good. You see, anytime you read something in the scriptures, like remember Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, Lazarus! And, you know, he comes walking out. You can imagine all the tunics around him when he's walking out, you know. Wow, Jesus raised a dude from the dead. Yeah, that guy died, you know that? He ended up dying at some point. We all die. Sin brought death. You're going to die. If you don't die, you can't go be with Jesus. I mean, you're going to get there somehow. And so the Lord didn't answer my prayers with Bonnie the way I wanted it to be answered. But he answered the prayer. Hey, Rick, I healed her. In fact, she'll never have to go to a doctor again. She'll never have to get another prescription again. She'll never shed a tear again. That's how healed she is. There's no hospice care here, Rick. There's no emergency rooms here, Rick. So rejoice in the fact that I didn't heal her the way you wanted. And the last observation I'll make before we sing the great little hymn here at the end is, they became followers of Jesus. Verse 34 says, then they followed him. And I thought about that. I mean, here are these guys, Jesus, Jesus, they've been blind their whole lives. Jesus heals them. And I think that's funny. Really? You had to say that? Of course these two guys were gonna follow him. And they're taking the China army to stop them from following Jesus. I have no doubt that these two guys surrendered their lives. They repented of their sins. Their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And at some moment, we're going to see those two guys again. There's no doubt in my mind. Because when you have an encounter with the Lord, wow, change your life forever. Change your life forever. So those are the six observations that I made from this little story. I know there's more. And I don't know which one. I hope at least one of them resonated with you. It could be that you just need to cry out to the Lord this week over some, something that's going on in your life. It could be you need to recognize the opposition and go, man, I, here's the deal. I gotta work next to that guy, but I'm not gonna let them stop me from my relationship with God. It could be you just need to be more tenacious and just keep crying out to him. But always know that Jesus has stopped for you. He cares about you. He 
cares about what's going on in your life. And he's going to answer your prayer. He just may not do it the way you'd want it done. And no matter what, you just continue to follow him. I'm going to have you stand, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to end with a song, okay? So, Father, thank you, Lord, for this study in the book of Matthew. It's really fascinating and new things I see, new things I wrestle around with. Thank you for these two blind guys who, who really, they, they trusted you with their lives. And may this song be a great way to just kind of end our time together. And I pray this in your name.